Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 893 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February the 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. Team-focused shows covering every single team that you like in the Big Four Sports and the Power Five uh, NCAA conferences. If you like sports and you like a team in particular, we have a show for you. So please go and subscribe to Rate and Review. Support all the shows covering the teams you like. It's always appreciated. Okay, on today's show, just me once again going through a recap episode for the Raptors 116-108 loss to the Miami Heat on Wednesday night. Gonna dive into my biggest takeaway from the game. Gonna talk about the defense and how not the not the defense, the offense and how it kind of approached Miami's zone. We will get into as well the new schedule that was released. Not because I care about schedule releases as content or anything like that, but I do think there is reason to get pretty excited about what the next month could look like for the team based on the schedule that was released by the NBA to begin the second half of the year. You know, back-to-backs and compressed schedules and not sleeping, uh, notwithstanding, things look like they might kind of turn around here for the Raptors. We'll get to that in the final segment, but let's get to the biggest takeaway from the game against the Heat on Wednesday night. And honestly, it's kind of broad in general, but I am so glad the Raptors do not play the Miami Heat again this season. They're annoying as hell. I just, I can't do it. I Their, their games, it's kind of the inverse, the opposite of the Philadelphia games and how I was talking yesterday about how much I love watching those games because the matchups are so interesting. It's just, you know, the, the, the coaching changes on the fly to deal with the very strange matchup uh, disadvantages and advantages at play. It's just a really fun watch and those games are always wildly entertaining And Heat games are not because they throw all the fun out because the Heat will junk things up with the zone. The Raptors will do the same. And it's just basically like a contest of wills and who will hit the most threes. It's just it's not a ton of fun. It's not very engaging or endearing or enjoyable basketball. And I guess that's compounded by the fact that the Raptors often lose these games to the Heat in very similar fashion whenever it happens. In fairness to the Raps, I don't think they were as sort of... Um, you know, moribund on the offensive end as they typically are against Miami's zone. You know, I think more so the case in this game, their issues were sort of with clutch and poorly, I guess the opposite of clutch and poorly timed plays that uh, when Orion kind of caused havoc going the other way. We'll get to that in the second segment. But I guess the thing that really hit on in this game is I'm sure Pascal Siakam never wants to see the heat again either because, you know, we talked about how he really showed growth in the matchups against the Bucks and the, the Sixers and just had a wonderful week, looked excellent, really kind of put to bed a lot of the concerns it seemed like we would have with him in those matchups, and he was excellent. 
And that's not so much the case about the Heat, apparently. Uh, you know, Bam Adebayo's always been a guy who gives him trouble. The Heat have a really sort of determined way about the way they kind of wall up and, and stop drivers from getting to the rim. It's the reason they were so damn good against Giannis in the playoffs last year. Kind of a similar idea to Pascal. And Siakam had what I think is probably his worst game of the season on Wednesday night. Just six shot attempts, one of six. He only hit a three, missed every two he took. Uh, five points, four assists, uh, three turnovers, and four fouls in the first half of the game. That kind of took him out of the action a little bit, even though they were picked up pretty quickly and Nurse didn't actually remove him from the game. You could see that he was playing cautiously after he picked up a pretty erroneous fourth foul, just a really careless drive and pass where he wasn't paying attention to the guy looking to take a charge. Um, kind of uncharacteristic for him this season. Honestly, he's been so smart and, and good on those drives where he's trying to create just a very kind of silly play going up against Kelly Olynyk, who is the bane of everyone's existence. Uh, and, you know, it just kind of took him out of the action on defense. He was... You know, the, like Bam out of bio had a, a, a night, a moment in the night where he sp- spun moved, spun moved, spinned move, I don't, whatever the hell, uh, spun around Pascal for for a pretty sexy looking bucket, and I just I couldn't help but think if Pascal didn't have four fouls at this point, he probably would have defended that a little bit more earnestly. He kind of just like let out of bio roll off of him a little bit, and uh he let him score and it just it was a rough night and ultimately he gets benched and doesn't come back late in the game I thought it was the wrong call to not bring him back in the late part of this game you know the Raptors were within reach pretty much throughout the second half they played a strong third quarter the fourth quarter it was sort of a push and pull thing where they'd get to within two or three and then the heat would kind of pull away get it out to eight and it just kind of oscillated back and forth like that and Nick Nurse closes originally with the starters with Chris Boucher in place of Siakam and then eventually swaps Terrence Davis in for Chris Boucher, which I did not like. I know Davis hit some shots, whatever. I didn't think he was doing much in the way of problem solving when it came to the zone. He was kind of just taking shots when they came to him, which I guess you have to do, but I didn't find him to be terribly effective. And Siakam, like, I don't know, like live and die with your guy is kind of the way I would go with that. You know, hope that he can kind of turn things around in the late part of the game. Obviously, he didn't quite have it. And I kind of understand Nick Nurse's thinking, especially considering he played 42 minutes of insanely hard basketball against the Sixers. And it was the fifth game in seven nights. And maybe you just take the L and don't play Siakam late if he doesn't have it. But I thought he probably should have come back in because he could be a lot more productive than a Terrence Davis or even a Chris Boucher in those situations. They weren't exactly funneling the offense through Boucher late in that game or anything and taking advantage of his shooting. And it just, you know, it kind of fell flat. And that was kind of another story of the night was the lack of you know, the, the rotational integrity from Nick Nurse. You know, DeAndre Bembry plays only five minutes. Stanley Johnson, just three. Patrick McCaw gets a very, very bad eight minutes. Um, Matt Thomas played six. You had 12 guys get into this game. And, I mean, that's, again, second out of the back-to-back. That's probably part of it, and that's fine and whatever. But overall, just... Uh, a really rough evening for Nick Nurse, I thought, and the way he deployed his lineups. In the third quarter, you know, he continues to go with these lineups with Fred Van Vliet and four bench guys. You don't need to do that, man. You're fully healthy. You've got your main five guys. You can always have two or three of those guys on the floor and still manage their minutes on the second night of a back-to-back just fine. Didn't happen. And again, that's kind of the junk that the Heat will throw at you. And a reason you never want to see them again is because they can throw 
the zone at you and force you to play a Matt Thomas and hope he can do something for you. Um, you know, maybe Stanley Johnson got a look because he's shown some flashes in the middle of the zone. He was pretty bad in his three minutes, and I think the Stanley Johnson pixie dust is very much evaporated. Does dust evaporate? That's not how uh, chemistry works, but you get what I mean. It's blown into the wind. Um, you know, Bembry only getting five minutes. He was pretty rough in his five minutes. You know, he had three fouls uh, and, you know, a pretty bad turnover. Just kind of a, a weird setup. He didn't really see the floor after he got caught at midcourt and gave up a turnover. Which, you know, fair enough, I guess, but he's been so reliable and effective, I I don't know why you wouldn't go back to him. I guess because of the zone issue, maybe having a non-shooter out there is a non-starter, but, you know, extra ball handling against the zone is never a bad thing either, as you try to probe into it and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, just a a strange night from Nick Nurse, I think probably put under duress by the second night of the back-to-back situation, the bad night for Pascal. But I thought he could have managed his lineups a little bit better. But that's easy for me to say, sitting on my couch uh, drinking a beer. Um, We should also probably note Kyle Lowry. What a goddamn king. Uh, He comes back after missing his four and a half games with the thumb slash ankle and was the best player on the team. And I think reminded everybody that he is, in fact, the best player on the team. You know, I think the gap is closing. And my argument that Pascal's getting close is maybe not going to hold a lot of water after last night. But I do firmly believe Pascal Siakam is getting close to being the best player on the team because, you know, there's going to be some decline from a 35-year-old Lowry, who I think on the defensive end in particular is kind of losing a a step a little bit, had some bad blow-bys last night. But offensively, my God, 9 of 13, 4 of 7 from 3, was incredible out of the gate, 12 points in the first quarter. And then I thought the third quarter... He was even more masterful. He scored seven points pretty early on, orchestrated a 10-0 run, had a few beautiful assists in that time as well. Uh, Any notion that the Raptors are better off without Kyle Lowry is insane and foolish. You know, there's always going to be the trade rumors circulating around him because it's just never going away. But that game against the Heat last night kind of proved everything that I've been saying all along. You don't trade Kyle Lowry. This is a team that is good, and I'll get into the final segment as to how good I think they're probably going to start looking in in the next little while here. Good teams don't trade away great players in expiring deals. They ride it out, and they have a good, earnest playoff run, and I really do think that this team, the way they're playing, the way the Eastern Conference is full, to steal a term from our friend over at Pound the Rock and last week's guest, uh, Joseph Cacharo, the East is full of Fugazis, and the Raptors could very well be the, you know, one of the less Fugazi-ish teams in that mix as the Celtics slide down the standings and the Heat continue. I mean, the Heat look pretty good right now. It's kind of scary, but, um, you know, the Bucks are thin and not looking terribly effective, and the Sixers are going to have their, you know, bugaboos that always kind of pop up. You know, there's no reason why the Raptors can't get on a run here, get some favorable seating, and go on a run to the conference finals, honestly. So why would a team with that opportunity trade away Kyle Lowry? Because he wants to be happier somewhere else? I, we got no indication that that's true. So I, uh, I'm i just going to leave that that talk for now. we got to stop talking about Kyle Lowry, get, Kyle Lowry getting traded and just be excited when Kyle Lowry does cool on-court basketball things and appreciate it all because he's incredible. 24-7-8 and eight with two steals. Um, you know, Didn't score in the fourth quarter, which you would have liked to have seen, but for the most part, I thought he was outstanding. And it's lovely to have him back in the lineup. And it didn't affect Norm Powell either. Norm Powell was really good in this 117 points. You know, you kind of worry sometimes, does he get pushed too far down the totem pole? Does he maybe not uh, get the chance to be the best version of Norm Powell in a starting five? Uh, Not the case in this one. He was really, really good. So 
Uh, shouts to Kyle Lowry. Happy he's back. Let's continue on. I want to dive into how the Raptors approach the zone from the heat coming up in just a second. But first, let me tell you all about betonline.ag, the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but you've got the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL in full swing. Baseball's coming up soon, too, as well. You can right now bet on stat leaders and MVP odds and win totals and all that fun stuff. You've also got them covering awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it is free to sign up as well. Head over to BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we will continue on and dive into how the Raptors approach the Miami zone in just one second. But first, just a heads up, I believe on Friday, still ironing out the details, but our pal Javon Shepard from North Courts with Vivek Jacob and Megan McPeak, as well as from the CEBL and all that good stuff. Uh, he is probably going to jump on the show. He's doing some Raptors 905 sideline reporting and analysts uh, analysis as well. So uh, he's going to be on. We'll talk 905. We'll talk Raptors. We'll talk Canada basketball probably as he's uh, steeped in that as well. And I look forward to that. Javon rules. So that's coming up on Friday. Make Javon one of the broadcasters on Raptors broadcasts. <clears throat> um, all right, let's continue on here. So, the zone defense from the Heat. Everyone knows it's coming against the Raptors. They probably do this a lot more often against. I don't watch a ton of the Heat, if I'm being honest, especially this season where I've been kind of relegated to just Raptors because I feel gross about watching the entire league. Um, watching a lot of Western Conference games just because they're on late, but ton, not a ton of Heat watching. I'm assuming they're doing the zone to a lot of teams, but the Raptors in particular, it seems like they are happy to throw it out to junk it up against the team. And. It worked in this game. The Raptors were clearly, you know, flummoxed by it at times. I didn't think it was that effective compared to what it has been in the past in games where the Raptors are scoring like 70 points on the Heat because they can't hit, get a shot to fall. The Raptors shot well in this game, 20 of 44 from three. They were happy to pull it up. They got, you know, Fred Van Vliet with five threes. Everyone in the starting five made at least one, um, you know, one from Siakam, two from OG, four from Lowry, three from Powell. Like, they were bombing threes away. They got two from Boucher off the bench as well. Baines hit one. Davis hit two. They were bombing away, and that was great to see. And that you kind of need a hot shooting night to beat the Heat if they are going to junk it up with the zone for large stretches of the game. But I also thought the Raptors showed some signs that they might have a key to kind of breaking it up. And that key is OG Ananobi, who I thought in this game, you know, kind of a meager stat line, just 14, 6, and 2, 6 of 13 from the field, 2 of 4 from, 2 of 5 from 3, had a couple blocks, a couple nasty, mean blocks, as he's wont to do. Uh, I thought OG really showed out and kind of gave me a lot of optimism that over the course of, you know, hypothetically a seven game series between like a three and six seeded Raptors and Heat or a four five with the Heat, you know, I think they'd be able to figure it out over the course of a series. And OG, just with his ability to drive to the basket and finish around the rim, I mean, he had some tough finishes in this one over Bam out of bio. You know, he got blocked by Bam a couple times too, because Bam will do that. But I thought the finishing around the basket, him sort of finding that soft spot in the zone and then realizing, oh, I have a driving lane, I'm going to dunk it now. Uh, and then his passing from the middle of the zone as well. We've kind of seen flashes of being really solid too. He's good at flashing to the nail, getting that entry pass, and then kind of carving apart the zone from the inside out. I, I just, I think 
the small ball look is the way to go where you have a lot of shirts out there, especially if Siakam can, can continue his sort of revitalization from three-point land this season. Uh, it's just, I think that'll be the key to it. And OG just looks really, really comfortable in there. The, the game, as I kind of mentioned in the first uh, segment, the game didn't get away from them because they were awful against the zone every single time down the floor. They scored pretty consistently throughout the game. The second quarter is really tough. I think that was more to do with lineup construction than it was the zone giving them any sort of real problems that better players couldn't have handled. You know, playing McCaw and Bembry together, why? Why? <laughs> Just never do that again, please. That's not A, how you bust a zone, and not B, how you win games in general because you need more than three players who are willing to shoot baskets uh, on the floor at any time. And God love DeAndre Bembry. Freaking love the guy. But, you know, he he's not exactly an eager shooter. He's just better McCaw. There's no sense in playing McCaw. And I think, thankfully, we only saw eight minutes from McCaw, not 24, which was kind of the standard last year. And maybe the the rise of Bembry will kind of see McCaw maybe get pushed down in the rotation. But again, it's Nick Nurse, so who knows? Either way, back to what I was talking about. They didn't have a terrible time scoring against the zone throughout a lot of this game. It was just individual moments of failure that kind of compounded on top of each other because Jimmy Butler would take the failure and then score it on the Raptors' heads at the other end that really caused the Raptors to lose this one. And so I'm going to take some encouragement from the way that they mostly handled it and hope that there's better execution and more sort of timely execution next time out if there is a next time this year, which only will come in the postseason because they're done with the heat now, which, phew, thank God. Um, but the overall, I think, approach was good. It's just, man, like the the few plays that really stood out, there was a really bad Norm Powell pass from the baseline that really just had no chance of getting through up to Kyle Lowry on the right wing. Jimmy Butler just grabs it and goes the other way, and the Raptors didn't really have the juice to defend it in transition. I believe that was the one where he kind of was bearing down on Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet, kind of faked a dribble right, faked a pass, and then just kind of kind of walked into a layup as Lowry and Fred kind of froze. Um, and then there was a couple other ones. I mean, Boucher had a really bad turnover after a good defensive stop, which sucked, but I think there was another possession late in the game where it was sort of one of those water polo type possessions that they come up to once in a while against the zone where they just kind of whip it around the perimeter and hope something opens up and no seams open at all. And it ended up with Fred Van Vliet kind of like isolated in the corner, trying to put up a three, one of those off balance leaners with the clock low, just a really, really bad shot in an important moment, kind of speaking to, you know, the Raptors bad crunch time minutes this season and their, and their bad numbers in games that are close. But you know that that I that those kind of individual moments really kind of sapped a lot of the energy, and then would often turn into you know three five point turnarounds on the other end, and you kind of lose any steam towards a uh, you know potentially winning the game because there were times where it really felt like the Raptors were going to overtake this game because they had figured out the zone to to a degree that was enough. It's just those poorly timed mistakes that really did them in, and maybe you don't have those mistakes if you're playing Pascal Siakam. I don't know. That's just a, it's just an idea. But anyway, again, I might you know I'm okay resting Siakam for the long term if if it's gonna keep him from playing 40 plus minutes back to back nights. I suppose um, that's kind of all I got on the zone. Honestly, I, it was I, I'm sick of talking about Miami zone and never want to talk about it again. <laughs> and it, it kind of goes back to my overarching theme of this episode: bye bye Heat and not gonna miss you whatsoever. Um, obviously, I think in terms of teams in the Eastern Conference to match up with, the Heat would certainly scare me a lot more than others just because of the way they junk it up, because Jimmy Butler's such a badass. Um, you know, I think they can kind of 
outcoach a lot of the other guys in the Eastern Conference too. Like Mike Budenholzer, easy peasy, you could outcoach that dude. Um, you know, even Doc Rivers, I think. You know, Nick Nurse strategically probably has a bit of an edge, and that'd be a really fun series, like I said, because Doc Rivers made some pretty good adjustments going back uh, in that second game of the 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 backup back to back this week against the Sixers. Um, but I still think I'd probably give Nurse a slight edge in sort of a playoff series, considering Doc Rivers' history of losing playoff series in hilarious fashion. Um, but yeah, Spo, you're not really out coaching that dude. That dude's amazing. He's coached up his team ex- exceptionally well. The Heat are deeper than the Raptors too, and can kind of run, you know, especially when they're healthy, can kind of run eight or nine, ten guys that they trust. Um, and they're just they're they're annoying as hell, man. And Jimmy Butler rocks. So that's a team I don't want to see in the postseason. Hopefully the standings shake out so that doesn't happen. Although I have a sneaking suspicion a four or five might take place, um, just because they're both kind of looking good right now in a way that the Celtics and even the Pacers aren't really looking good. Um, so we could be looking to that, but for now, goodbye to the heat, not going to miss you. And, uh, hopefully the Raptors can kind of continue their in-season progression and internal growth. So the next time they come across them, maybe they're a bit more equipped. I mean, we didn't think, early on in the season when they played Philly or Milwaukee that Siakam or Van Vliet were really equipped and then they showed two games in a row that yo yeah they're very much ready to to play these teams uh, and be nice to see that kind of surprisingly happen later in the year against Miami not hold my breath though because the Heat are hella annoying Eric Spolster is really good and Jimmy Butler uh, likes to feast on the throats of the Toronto Raptors uh, let's continue on. We're going to dive into the Raptors' schedule and what things kind of foretell from it. Is that a sentence? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> what you can kind of glean from the schedule that came out. Again, I'm not a, hey, schedule's out. Let's write posts about it kind of person or anything like that. But I do think it's kind of interesting to look at the schedule coming up and look at the way the team is playing and trending health-wise and on-court play-wise and think, hmm, maybe there's a bit of a run here. So we'll get to that coming up in just one second. But first, I want to tell you all about our friends over at rockauto.com, the place that saves a dummy like me lots of money because I go to the mechanic. I say, hey, mechanic man, my car is broken. Can you fix this? And they say, yes, you need this part. It's going to cost X number of dollars. And I just accept it at face value because I'm an idiot. But rockauto.com proves that what the mechanic is trying to charge you is often too much money and they can save you a ton on car parts. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly. See all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications, prices, and uh, I mean the prices are the most important thing that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, uh, just a heads up before we finish up here and talk about the schedule and how things look for the next little while for your Toronto Raptors, just a heads up that you can listen to Locked On Leafs every day covering your Toronto Maple Leafs. They are very good right now. I think they're like 15-4-2 or something like that. They beat the Flames last night. William Delander scoring goals. Go listen to Mike DiStefano, our pal, doing that podcast every day, breaking down the Leafs. He does a wonderful job. Okay, let's dig on into the schedule, I guess. Look, again, a team plays games in specific order against a defined pool of teams is not exactly a thing I'm interested in. 
Unless, of course, it benefits your Toronto Raptors because the schedule looks pretty creamy for the Raptors, at least in March and honestly, large chunks of April as well. Um, You know, they played a lot of good East teams in the first half of the season. And as of next week, once they're done the first half and they play Boston next Thursday to close out their first half schedule, the Raptors will have played all of their games against the Celtics, the Heat, the Bucks, and the Sixers. That is nice. They'll only have one game left against the Pacers. They have two against Brooklyn, I believe. And that's it. That's like a, a pretty nice way to, you know, move into the second half of the season knowing those games are out of the way. And you performed pretty admirably in those games. Yeah, you lost two to the Heat of the three you played, but this, the win you got was really impressive. You know, you go one and two against the Sixers, still pretty impressive. You go two and one against the Bucks. You get a, a nice win shorthanded against the Pacers and a tough loss. Um, you know, they haven't looked embarrassed in any of these games against these good teams, except for the first game against Boston, I guess, where that was kind of the low point of the early part of the season. Um, and we'll see how the next week's game against Boston transpires because Boston looks like garbage right now, even more so than uh, a lot of the other garbage teams in the Eastern Conference, which includes your Raptors at this point. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stuff tough state of affairs going on right now in the East, but... The Raptors, I think, stand a chance of kind of getting some separation coming up here. You know, to close out the next four games, they get the Rockets on Friday. The Rockets are brutal. They lost a game last night to the Cavs, who are terrible and have barely won any games since, like, December. And so um, that was a rough one. The Rockets are second last in the West. That should be a win on Friday. And look, all the caveats in this segment apply, like... It's very, very difficult to um, predict anything this season. There's weirdness. There's COVID protocols. There's just like a general exhaustion that seems to be seeping into the very bones of the players playing the games. You know, things could go awry and they could lose games they're supposed to win. But for the most part, their schedule lining up is pretty good. They get the Rockets. You've got the Bulls. You've got the Pistons. Then you have the the reeling Celtics before the All-Star break. You could, in theory, win all four of those games and get comfortably back above 500. And then coming out of the break, they get Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, Detroit. You know, Charlotte's been frisky for sure, but they've beaten them twice this season. Um, They lost to Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta's all that great, although they did beat the Celtics last night. So uh, thanks for your good work, Atlanta. Then they get the Jazz, which will be a fun little test in the middle of a pretty easy part of the schedule. Then they get Cleveland, Houston, Denver, Phoenix, Portland will be fun, and then Detroit, OKC, Golden State, Washington. Like, there's just a lot of bad teams they have yet to play sprinkled into this schedule, which is really nice to see. And hopefully they can kind of ease into it and get into a bit of a role going uh, into what will be, um, you know, a pretty... The the end of the season is pretty tough. You've got a Western road trip where they play Denver, Utah, the Lakers, and Clippers (laughs) four in a row. Um, That's going to be pretty nightmarish, I would assume, Get those late night starts, time zone change, all that stuff. I would guess probably that one of the two of those teams will have their sort of seating figured out by then. So maybe it's not so much a concern against Utah or whatever it might be, but that'll be tough. But I do think there will be a lot of runway for the Raptors to rack up a ton of wins in March and in the first part of April as well before they get to that very difficult end of the schedule. It's it's looking all right. I, I really, you know, I don't want to put any sort of like prediction on wins because predicting anything this season is stupid, but I feel like they with a big part of their tough 
portion of the schedule out of the way. They've already got one of their Western trips out of the way. Um, you know, there, there really is some runway here for the Raptors to rack up some wins and kind of put to bed the whole, are they going to be in the play-in category or are they going to be comfortably in sort of a, a fight for a home court spot? I really do think that after this stretch, they will be comfortably in that fourth seed, maybe even a three seed if the Bucks continue to piss their pants or whatever. Although they, I guess they've won a couple games since the Raptors schooled them. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of, there's not takes to have necessarily. It's just if you're feeling down about the game against the Heat and you're a little dejected after a couple tough losses to fall back below 500, they got some easy games coming up here and really should start to put it all together. Um, and we saw over the last week that they really have started to pair sound process with the results you want. And how long in this season was it? Okay, but they're doing things right, but they keep losing. Now they're putting the doing things right together with actually pulling out these wins. Their crunch time numbers have gotten a lot better recently. You know, they were like a minus 20 or something like that in crunch time uh, per NBA.com. Now they're like a minus five net rating in those times. So they've clearly had some positive, you know, regression back to the mean uh, in, in recent games. And that's promising to see, you know, Pascal last night, notwithstanding looks really strong. Kyle being back is huge. I mean, the health is obviously going to be extremely important for this team going forward. You know, they've shown they can withstand one or two losses, but anything beyond that, it's just a really thin team and it's going to be difficult to uh, weather all that. And like, a lot of teams are going through the same thing with health and, you know, safety protocols and all that stuff. But um, I just, yeah, ending it on a note where things seem kind of positive going forward felt like a pretty good thing to do because do, things do feel pretty positive going forward here for the Raptors. And I think... By the time we get to the March 25th trade deadline, you know, this was kind of a, this part of the schedule was sort of like in that sweet spot of, all right, when they get to here, we'll know what they're going to be. We kind of know now, I think, you know, they can trade everyone on their team if they want to, it, you know, all those moves are open now. Um, the trade machine talk has gotten a lot quieter, obviously, since they started playing well and Aaron Baines started looking good, but you know, they, it, we, we've gotten to this point where they're 16 and 17. They look strong. That like their numbers are, are positive. They they look like they're a better team than their record, and they are sort of putting the on court results now to show it together. And any sort of notion that this should be a seller at the deadline, I think, should be gone at this point, considering the open nature of the Eastern Conference and the potential path to a conference finals. Which, even if it's not a finals, I think you go all in to try to make a conference finals run with Kyle Lowry. It's fun. Playoff basketball is cool. Going deep in the playoffs rocks. You never know what might happen with injuries. Put yourself in the position to get lucky on basketball and COVID weirdness. Um, and we've reached that point. Now we're a month away from the trade deadline. I think the next stretch here really will kind of determine how aggressively they want to buy. You know, do they feel like they're, you know, one just small, tiny move away from being really, really good? Do you feel like, oh, maybe we can kind of get a little sneaky here and make a big-ass move? It's going to be difficult to pull that off, obviously. But I really do think the talk of them trading Kyle Lowry and selling off pieces because the season is a lost cause should be well out the window by now. Um, the ru the rumors will continue. I believe there's a piece from our pal Keith Pompey um, kind of talking about Kyle Lowry to the Sixers rumors today. I just There's not a lot of water to it. I don't see how a trade happens for the Raptors that doesn't involve Tobias Harris, which I don't know why they would want that contract on their books. He plays the same position as both OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, and he's on the books forever. You know, as well as he's played, I just don't think they're going to want to do that. And the Sixers probably don't want to do that either. So it's just not a lot of easy moves to make if you're the Raptors trying to trade off Kyle Lowry. And I just think it's all kind of a, a moot point anyway, because they shouldn't be doing that. They should be looking to go the other way. And I think we've gotten to the point where that was going to have to be proven by, and it has been proven by that time. So 
just let it rip. Go win some games against some shit teams and uh, close out the season strong. That is going to close out the podcast strong. I guess uh, maybe it wasn't strong. Whatever. Either way, the podcast is over. Thank you for tuning in. It's always appreciated. And uh, please go and subscribe to all the other good stuff we got going on the Lockdown Network. Subscribe and rate, rate and review this show if you have not yet. The, uh, the ratings and reviews are always lovely, especially when they're nice. They help stroke my ego. And they also push the mean reviews down further, which is always good, too. Um, I'll be back again on Friday, like I said, hopefully with Javon Shepard still ironing at the schedule. But Javon's the best. And hopefully we can get that squared away because uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, that'll do it. I'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Have a good day, everybody. Now go fire up an episode of Locked on Leafs. Mm-hmm.